we're going to hear from Genesis 24:37 through 51, just for background so you're not lost. It's a conversation between Abraham's servant, who had just been sent to find Isaac's wife, between that servant and Laban, Rebekah's brother, and Bethuel, her father. And the servant is retelling what has just happened to Laban and Bethuel. And my master, Abraham, made me swear an oath and said, You must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I live, but go to my father's family and to my own clan and get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master, What if the woman won't come back with me? He replied, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son from my own clan and from my father's family. Then, when you go to my clan, you will be released from my oath, even if they refuse to give her to you. You'll be released from my oath. When I came to the spring today, I said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will, please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I'm standing beside this spring. If a maiden comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me have a drink from your jar. And if she says to me, drink, and I'll draw water for your camels too. Let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finished praying in my heart, Rebecca came out. With her jar on her shoulder, she went down to the spring and drew water. And I said to her, Please, give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I'll water your camels too. So I drank, and she watered the camels too. I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. Then I put a ring in her nose and bracelets on her arms, and I bowed down and worshipped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you... Bethuel and Laban, will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me so that I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go. Let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed I've had many opportunities over the years to, to introduce young men and young women to one another. I've been involved in a variety of ministry here at the church, and it has given me the joy of 
getting to know young men and young women and allowing them to meet in different circumstances uh, one another. And it's fun to watch the relationship grow. And it's fun to watch them fall in love with each other. And then one of the greatest joys for me is when the final day comes and I get to join them together before God as husband and wife. I love that moment. I also have loved that joy, have experienced that joy, when I've had the privilege of introducing men and women to a man named Jesus, sharing about who he is and watching them fall in love with Jesus and one day coming to the place where they are joined in union with the Savior. The story this morning is a beautiful love story, the joining of Isaac and Rebecca. But it's more than just a human love story, it is, it is the love story. It's the story of God's love for us, for you and for me, and his pursuit of us, his longing for relationship with us. And that, that relationship comes together in marriage. A union of Christ, the Savior, Bridegroom, and the church, you and me, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians gives us that picture, that picture of of holy matrimony, that picture of Christ, the Bridegroom, and us, followers of Christ, as The bride says this in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. That is the image of Christ's relationship with us, followers of Jesus. The story in Genesis 24 has many beautiful facets to it. And you could focus on many areas and many different characters. You could focus on Abraham and his continued faith, how he kept trusting the Lord for the promised seed. You could look at the servant and his loyalty in following the Lord. You could look at Rebecca and see her incredible trust and surrender as she begins her journey with Isaac. You can pick up many principles from this passage. You can learn the principle of How to find a bride with ten camels and a nose ring. (laughs) Might work. This morning, though, what I'd like to look at is I wanted to focus on the parallels that we 
see in these beautiful characters. The parallels of Abraham and Isaac and the servant in relationship to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Abraham, the heavenly father, Isaac, the son who has always played a type or a representation of Jesus Christ. The servant, the one who is sent for the son, in place of the son, to bring home a bride for the bridegroom. It is much like the work of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. If you remember the coming of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit poured out upon His disciples and the Spirit empowers Peter to stand up and to give testimony about this Christ that he knows. Hear the words of the Lord in Acts chapter 2. When the people heard this testimony... They were cut to the heart. That's from the work of the Spirit. And they said to Peter, and they said to the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The beginning of the church, the bride of Christ. The bride brought to the Son by the Holy Spirit, and in Acts chapter 2, used by the faithful servant Peter, who lived in the power of God to share the testimony of who this bridegroom was. I think one of the questions for all of us, as we journey on our faith journey with the Lord, is how does God want to involve us in his beautiful love story, his pursuit of the hearts of man? How does he want to use us in bringing the bride to the bridegroom? Well, I believe, just like in Genesis 24, he gives us a commission. Let me read the beginning of chapter 24. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years. The Hebrew here is actually using the the oldest term. He was really, really old. And he wants to make it really clear. He's at the final stages. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. And you cannot miss that the the continuation of his, his faith in Christ is one of blessedness. And God will continue to bless him as we're now going to see the seed continue through this marriage. The Lord had blessed him in every way. And he said to the chief servant in the household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but that you will go to my country and my relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac in that place. 
It's now time for a bride for Isaac. If the seed will come through Abraham and his descendants, then it's now time for Isaac to have a wife and to bring forth the seed, which will lead to the promised Messiah. The union was of great importance. The bride would be the mother of the multitudes and the mother of the line of the seed. A little bit of cultural history. It was a responsibility of the father to enter into this exchange, into this pursuit of a bride. The rabbis used to say this. When a man gets to heaven, God would ask him four questions to see if he had faithfully carried out his parental responsibilities. The first would be, did you provide your son with inheritance? Two, did you teach him a skill? The third would be, did you teach him the Torah? And the last would be, did you provide him a wife? Abraham takes this responsibility seriously. And so he charges his servant with a holy mission to go. And he says, I want you to take an oath and place your hand under my thigh a symbol of the place of life, fertility. On my life, I take this oath. All I can say is I'm glad we do a handshake now. (laughs) It's a serious oath. And the servant does. He takes the oath to find a bride for his son, Isaac. To find a woman that Abraham says, I want her to be one who is of my family, a Semite. I want a woman who is not caught up in the evil of the Canaanites. Abraham knows that he's called to be a separate people. I want you to go to my homeland. I do not want you to take Isaac with you. He is called to stay here in the promised land. Like I was, Abraham is thinking, I was called out of that place to come here to the promised land. I do not want my son Isaac to go. He is to fulfill the promises of God here in the promised land. The unnamed servant takes seriously the holy mission laid upon him. What I want you to know about this unnamed servant is that he is the main character of this play, of this story. He is the central one. And because he is, I want us to focus and try to understand who he is and what his mission is. I think he represents for us in this passage the work of the Spirit the one sent in place of the Son to bring the bride to the bridegroom. It's been the work of the Spirit since Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, to minister to people's hearts, as He has to you and to me. You were touched, you were pierced by the work of the Spirit in your life. And you were brought to the bridegroom 
because he went after you. He has continued to do that. He does it now. And the thing that's so amazing about this wonderful love story that we're involved with is that for whatever crazy, beautiful reason, the Lord God wants to involve us in his love story of bringing the bride to the bridegroom. Do you know that about yourself? God involves us, broken humanity, to bring the bride to the bridegroom. We are living out the life of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 2.20 reminds us, it is I who no longer live, but Christ who now lives in me. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ lives in us. And here's what Jesus promises to you and me, this gift of the Spirit in John chapter 14. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And so that means forever. He journeys with us. He is the paraclete, the one who walks by our side. He is the spirit of truth, John says. The word cannot, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. This is the work of the Spirit in our lives. He is with us this day, present in our lives, leading us in the power of God, using us to share the beautiful news of the bridegroom. The good news that Jesus has come. The desire of the Father, what is it? What is the the heartbeat of, of Christ who was sent to us? If he lives in us, what is he wanting to live out through us? Luke 19 reminds us, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. John 15 reminds us of the work of the Spirit. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send, Jesus says, To you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me, Jesus says. And you must also testify, for you have been with Me from the beginning. What is this commission from the Lord Jesus? What is the commission from Abraham to His servant who is unnamed? Go and bring the bride to the bridegroom. What is the commission to us? Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bring a bride to the bridegroom. Because the Lord has an incredible heart of love for each and every one in this broken world of ours, just like he has for you and me. And we must testify about our life in him. 
He has given us the power through the Spirit to do so. And so we go. This great holy mission, like the song we sang this morning, we are his hands and feet. Do you know that about yourself? It is not just about being here on Sunday morning and hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and all that he is in your life. We must go out and testify. And we can only do that through the power of the Spirit. But here's the promise of God. I've given it to you. And so you're empowered to go. I gave it to the servant as he went to find a bride. And so we take a close look at this main character, the servant. And we see how he brought a bride to the bridegroom. It's a journey of trust and it's a journey of worship. And so it is for you and me. The servant is focused on pleasing his master. The servant doesn't know exactly how this is all going to work out. What if she doesn't want to come back? What if I fail? I don't quite get how this is all going to play. But I love what Abraham reminds the servant of in verse 7 of chapter 24. He says this to the servant, The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out from my father's household and my native land, who spoke to me, he promised me an oath. He said this, To your offspring I will give this land. And so, dear servant, whom I trust, let me remind you of this. He, the Lord God Almighty, will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. To evangelize, to to share the good news, to testify, to bring people to Jesus, to, to allow them an opportunity to experience life like we have. We oftentimes don't know how that works. We're not sure how God is going to put that all together. We wonder how he might use us in the middle of this. What if I don't say the right things? What if I'm not able to to answer that question? I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not some great evangelist. But Abraham is at peace when he speaks with his servant. And I believe he's at peace because he knows that the Lord is at work. He doesn't put his trust and faith in the servant. He knows that there is one who goes ahead of him, who is doing the work. But again, for whatever beautiful, wonderful reason, he chooses to involve the servant in this matter. Just like he wants to involve you and me. It is the one who goes before the angel will prepare the way. He will touch the heart of the bride. It's all about his work. And God is the one who will be glorified in these matters. It's not dependent on your right words. It's not dependent on having your whole spiritual life all together. But he wants to involve us in this love story. I've had a a beautiful privilege lately 
Bob and, Bob and Belva Lawton are involved in a, a ministry to international students. And they hooked me up and my wife and family with this wonderful gal from France. And it has been nothing but a delight. My, my background is French. My mother's French. I think many of you know that. And so that's a joy for me because I know the mentality of French people. I grew up in that. And so it's just been a journey of going, Lord, I don't know exactly how you want to use me in the middle of all this. But I know you love this beautiful gal, Clementine. I know you want relationship with her. And so, Father, use Kina and I and the boys to somehow minister your love to this beautiful young woman who has no idea who you are. And so, several months ago, we began the journey. Having her over for dinner, we've had her come to the football games with my boys. She's celebrated in birthdays with us. She gets to experience how I love Kina and my children. She gets to see a family that pursues God. And so we just share. And I pray that I might have an opportunity to bring this bride to the bridegroom. It's the heart of God in using us as hands and feet. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I'm just available, and so is Kina, and so are the kids. We just show up. The servant was faithful in knowing that his task was done by the Lord. It didn't all depend on him and figuring out exactly the right words to say. Do I use the four spiritual laws now, Lord, or later? What do I do? He didn't know it. But he trusts and he expects, the servant does, God to work. He goes with ten camels, which was a beautiful and and a significant dowry gift. He brings choice gifts of betrothal. I have this image of just God's love just being lavished upon this bride. Everything, everything will be provided. I lavish you with love. If these gifts are just but a symbol of amazing love. And he shows up expecting God to work and he goes on this 500 mile journey each way. Rough terrain, not easy to go after. Thousand mile journey to go bring a bride to a bridegroom. And she might not even say yes. And as I was reading that, and as I found out how far that was and how difficult a journey it was, it usually took about, with a caravan, a little over three weeks. And I thought of myself, and I thought of this body. Are we willing to go on this thousand-mile trek to go pursue a bride for the bridegroom through rough terrain? You know what? A lot of times, week one, we're kind of we're fed up. Why aren't they coming to know Jesus? What's their issue? You know, we do that especially in our families, don't we? For some reason, in our families, we tend to 
give up on the journey. The terrain's a little too rough, and we just get tired. We are the hands and feet. And there may be some in your life that are difficult and still reject Jesus, still want nothing to do with him. But through the work of the Spirit, and would you listen to the Spirit, I think for many of us, he wants us to keep on that journey. You see, we grow weary, but our Lord does not. And so he keeps pursuing his beautiful bride. And we should go expecting God to work, the servant does. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, God is working right now. And he continues to work in the hearts of men through his spirit. He hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped pursuing those who seem like they want nothing to do with God. It's the heart of the Father for us. He so loved us. And the servant grows in his trust as he enters into prayer with the Lord. And you can just imagine the journey. A journey of seeking guidance from the Lord. A journey of being communion with the Lord. Lord, how is this going to work? Lord, show me. Lord, Lord, somehow use me. Give me wisdom in how to do this. The servant really seemed to love God, didn't he? He seemed to know who the Lord was, and I think that faith came through Abraham as he observed Abraham's faith. And I beg God that God will use me like that. That as people watch my faith, that they too might fall in love with Jesus. The servant seeks after the Lord, and I want us to be praying that way as we go after the beautiful bride for the bridegroom, as we beg God to somehow use us in his love story. Lord, grant me success in this. Lord, show me favor. Lord, give me the right words. Lord, help me to know what is going on. The servant depends on the Lord. The servant is practical and yet expectant. I pray that you might show her to me by by this specific way. You know, at first it seems like, like the servant is throwing out a fleece like Gideon does. But I think it's much different. Gideon lived in fear. Gideon expected a miracle from from God to do this. This servant is expecting God to work, but he's practical. Lord, I I want a woman for my master that will be one who has a heart of service, that will be one who, who takes initiative. These are the qualities. Would you... Would you respond to this? Isn't that a great way to pray? Lord, I have a heart to be available to you. I'm not sure the answers on how to minister or how to to enter into this relationship with this person. Would you show me that? And while he's still praying, God responds. That's just the love of the Father. I'm with you every step of this journey. Abraham is a blessed, and he will be a blessing. And I will bless his servant 
as he goes to bring a bride for the bridegroom. You see, the Spirit counsels us. The Spirit props us. Haven't you had that experience? Don't you know that the Spirit is alive and active and dwelling and working in your life? And He prompts us, and as we enter into relationship with Him, He leads us into this place of listening to Him. And I want you to be praying, Lord, would you show me how you want me to enter in with this person? I pray that every time I take a flight, truly. Because here's the reality nowadays, every time you take a flight, there will be someone next to you. They are full, these flights. And so you go, God, do you want me to enter into this life? If you would, use me, open up a door, show me, tell me which person to talk to, the one across the aisle, the one in the middle. I don't know. That's how I pray. Practical, but expectant that God is at work in the hearts of man. We are called to bring the bride to the bridegroom. And so he prays and God responds. And the servant, as the Lord responds, and as he prayed for success and the Lord provided, he can do nothing but fall down and worship God. We can do nothing but give God praise for his work in the hearts of man as he uses us in this love story. It's not about, wow, look what I did and look how I accomplished this in this person's life. We can do nothing but fall down and worship him. And in the story, the part of the scriptures that was read by Cynthia this morning, that part of the scriptures is the testimony of the servant. When you come into contact with people who are are thirsty, as Rebecca was at the well, as the woman in John chapter 4 was thirsty, as you come in contact with people, we give our testimony. This is what God has done in my life. This is what I have experienced about the Lord Jesus. Let me share this with you. I cannot help but tell you about the Father who loves you. I want to tell you about the Son, that you might know Him. And so I give you my life. Let me just share all that has happened to me. And the testimony of who my Son and who the Father and the Son are. He shares about Isaac. And you see, the the thing that's happening is the Spirit has gone ahead. The Lord has already pierced the heart of the one to respond. And the servant shares his testimony. Laban and her father seem more interested in the gold and all that will be provided financially Their hearts don't seem to be turned. But what happens from the servant is that he gives an invitation. At some point in our journey with our 
our dear friends that we have life with and, and in people that we meet, at some point in that journey, the Spirit may be asking you to invite the bride to come and meet the bridegroom and to come into relationship with him. We need to ask that question. And I ask that question for anyone in the room this morning. Will you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, giving your heart to him, allowing him to be Lord of your life, Because he loves you. And he has forgiven your sin. And he has died on the cross for you. And so hear his call and his invitation to you. Receive him this morning. And ask him to be Lord of your life. The servant invites him not with coercion. Not forced not trying to trick Rebecca or the family into buying into some sort of religion, but invites Rebecca into relationship with the living God. Invites Rebecca into relationship with Isaac, the son. And Rebecca's heart had already been pierced. And because God has already done the work As she heard the testimony, she said, I will go. Do you see, to some we are an aroma of death. Laban and the father wanted nothing to do, really, with the Lord. They just wanted the money. But to some we are an aroma of life. And when the invitation is offered to those who are thirsty... Their hearts have been moved by the love of God, and they say, I will go. And she was drawn by the truth of the Father and the Son, not fully knowing the Son yet. And she draws in, but willing to come into this union. The Spirit testifies about the bridegroom. You and I didn't fully know Jesus But we've started to fall in love with him and we heard the testimony of who he was. And when we came into union fully learning to love and put our trust, yet not totally knowing, we entered in and then this love relationship began and we started to know Jesus more and more. Isn't that true of all of us? So it was true of Rebecca. God has been working in my heart. I don't totally understand the Lord. I don't understand Jesus totally, but I know he has given me life, and so I receive. I will go. And here comes the beautiful moment as they travel 500 miles back, the servant right by her side, the paraclete, the spirit who will guide and counsel. Can you imagine telling of all the goodness of the Son? that she would someday come into union with. And they go back, and she is being prepared, and all of a sudden, Isaac comes out from the well, the well where Hagar met the angel of the Lord, the well called, this is the place of the living one who sees me, 
the well who, where God speaks that he is with you and knows you and knows the promises of God. Isaac comes from that place out into the field and Rebecca asks the question, who is that? And can you imagine the joy of the servant? May I introduce you to my master? And so began their journey. Life together. As they went together, Isaac, the son, and the bride, Rebekah, into the tent of Sarah to be joined in marriage. The servant, I believe, is unnamed throughout this whole passage. The main character of the whole story because all glory, brothers and sisters, goes to God for the gift of his son who died for us. All glory goes to him. He is the one who is working in the hearts of man. And yet he calls us, he commissions us, unnamed beautiful servants to go and to be his hands and feet. May we bring the bride to the bridegroom. Amen.